Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. the playoff committee and the rankings and conference championship weekend and hirings and firings and transfer portal and all that don't let that distract you from the biggest news in this sport today guys Bobby Petrino's back at Arkansas I I know a lot of you are stunned because you don't stay glued to the internet 24 7 you've been living lives you're getting off work you're feeding your kids I'm not messing with you it's not April Bobby Petrino's headed back to Arkansas. So vroom, vroom to us all. Welcome in. Late Kick is live. It is Tuesday night, November 28th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Jam-packed, high atop a, a suddenly jubilant, but still a little unsettled downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Jubilant because I always thought somehow, someway, Petrino and Arkansas would find their way back to each other. And not just him coming in as a visiting head coach. This is a true story, by the way. This is actually happening. Hogsports.com if you want the info. And secondly, we're unsettled because, well, frankly, there's still a lot to be decided this upcoming weekend. I got playoff rankings thoughts. First time I've done that all year on the show. I don't know how you guys watch that. You know what? Be that as it may, I will talk about it tonight. I got every conference championship game, at least in the Power Five, to predict tonight I do have a JP poll for you uh, because there's serious movement in the JP poll. Even at this late 11th hour, there's movement. And Transfer Portal is already getting worked up. It's about to be really, really crazy. So I've got a ton. It's probably not going to be an hour and a half show like it was the other night. And bless Colin and Jesse for that. Bradley a little bit too. But it is going to be a lengthy show because we are jam-packed. And we're watching um, a lot of things in the coaching world that haven't happened but are you know on the precipice of happening. So. I've actually got the teleprompter turned on in the studio just in case news breaks. We don't even normally turn the prompter on. They're watching us in Macon, Georgia, Bend, Oregon, Wichita Falls, Texas, Huntsville, Alabama. I got a major announcement to make right here and right now. To whomst much is given, much is expected. We know this. And a lot's given to us. We have great people who we work with. We've got great folks who allow us to do what we want to do. We go to any game we want to. And So I was sitting there thinking to myself, once upon a Saturday tour is headed to Atlanta Saturday for the SEC championship game. But is that really the best we can do? And the answer was no. I woke up the next morning and I didn't like the guy looking back at me in the mirror because we got a perfectly good Pac-12 championship game happening in Las Vegas, Nevada, Friday night. We got a front row seat to it if we want. We got sideline passes if we want them. And so we're taking them. And so I'm going to head to Las Vegas. This is official. Not only is Petrino headed to Arkansas, I'm headed to Las Vegas. Certainly a sentence I never thought would come out of my mouth a decade ago. But we're going to Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game Friday night. And then we will just jet right back to Atlanta overnight. And we will have a ton of coverage over on CBS and CBS Sports HQ leading up to that game and then following the game. And you understand what that's all about. But we haven't done this in the past. We've just parked ourselves at one conference title game. Uh, am I worried? Absolutely not. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. So that's coming this weekend. Pac-12 Pate, one last ride. I 
will be the one to turn the lights out on that conference. Nobody else. Let's dive into this thing tonight. I, I, don't, I don't ever talk about the playoff rankings. Um, I don't even half the time know what the resumes are. You'd be shocked to know that, I know. But I don't ever even pay attention to it until about the second to last week of the year or the, what is it, the penultimate week? Yeah, so that's kind of what we just came out of. And then we got conference championship games this Saturday. So, Colin, here's your end point for the segment. I just sat here moments ago and watched the playoff rankings get released. As you're listening live, it is Tuesday night, and I, I, I don't ever watch it. And so I've been able to see bits and pieces of it, but I've never watched it in totality. I got to be real with you. I don't know how you guys stomach the explanations, or lack thereof, that are given by that committee chair. Dude's name is Boo. I'm sure he's great to hang out with in real life, but there is no logic there, there is no connectivity between what I'm told the criteria is slash are for the rankings and what comes out of his mouth. So you either got one of two things. You either got a guy who doesn't know what's going on, and I don't think that's the case. Or the second part is you've got someone who has very set and defined criteria, and they're figuring it out, or computers are figuring it out for them in that big room down in Grapevine, Texas. And they just march out there and shoot filler out of their mouths, and whatever happens will end up happening. Uh, and it really just reaffirms to me why I never watched that until the very end. So what's going to happen here? Uh, I think what's going to happen is we will have multiple undefeated teams fall this weekend. Spoiler alert, because we're predicting the games later in the show. What do we have right now? We got Michigan undefeated. <laughs> Probably not going to be one of them. We got Georgia undefeated. We got uh, FSU undefeated. We got Washington undefeated. Uh, odds are very strong. At least one of them's going down. I think more than one undefeated is going down, as I will talk about later in the show. So I do believe. Uh, we will get some chaos, and then the natural follow-up questions are, well, who gets slotted where? If Georgia loses, are they out is a debate that's it's pretty heavily contested on the old social channels right now. If Alabama does beat Georgia, are they in? Uh, if, if Oregon wins, are they automatically in? If Florida State wins, are they automatically in? So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I will tell you there is no substitute. There is no substitute for actually watching conference championship Saturday. What I mean by that is we're watching folks waste a lot of precious oxygen right now debating hypotheticals. What if this happens? Then that happens. Then what happens to so-and-so? And the thing about it is it's all fun, and it looks good on graphics, and you can sketch it out on the back of a pizza box. But you know as well as I do, when you watch football games happen, funny things can pop into your mind. Let me just paint you a little picture. Let's just say some chaos does start to unfold this Saturday. Let's say, for example, Michigan wins, as most people expect they will. Let's say Oregon wins Friday night. Say so they win a hard-fought game against Washington. They, they win by 10 points. The, the spread's 9.5. Let's say they win by 10 points. All right? Let's say a Florida State goes down. So you get your upset there. That's not out of the realm of possibility. The spread is 2.5 right now on that game at FanDuel. But let's say that Alabama beats Georgia. We'll say the upset does happen in the SEC title game. And Texas wins the Big 12. So basically, a lot of people have told you, well, if that happens, Michigan's in. And if that happens, Texas is in. Yeah, I agree so far. And if that happens, we're, we're, we're going to have to put Oregon in, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, but I'm sitting here asking you, what if that SEC championship game, instead of just playing out in the hypothetical world like you've suggested, what if it's some jarring result? What if it's like 34 to 13 Alabama? No one has considered that because it's really, really far over here, close to being out of the realm of possibility, but not totally. What would happen is it would jar you. It would totally hit the reset button. It would be like taking the Etch-A-Sketch and moving from left to right. It erases everything you sketched on that hypothetical pizza box. And you would say, they just beat Georgia handedly? They beat my number one team handedly. I can't leave them out. And the same people saying that, in many cases, would have been saying the morning of conference championship Saturday, well, Oregon won last night, so they're in. Bama will not win a head-to-head -head over Georgia tonight, or, 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 or Oregon tonight, even if they take down Georgia. And my point is, I don't ever do the hypothetical thing a whole lot until I see the games, in which case it's no longer hypothetical, because I remember 2014. 2014, I was at the SEC title game, but that wasn't the, the biggest 
you know, point of contention that night. That was when Ohio State was a short underdog against Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. And they were on the outside looking in. And it was a widely held consensus that there just isn't a path for Ohio State. Then they won against Wisconsin, but that's not it. They won 59 to nothing against Wisconsin. And what happened was everybody's Etch-A-Sketch got wiped clean. Everything you thought, every hypothetical you had drawn out, it got wiped clean. And over the span of about two hours, the sentiment went from Ohio State's not even in regardless of whether they win or lose to we literally can't keep this team out. How can you keep that team out? And so there is one thing that I'm very steadfast in. I think that FSU's in if they win. I'm not hearing that argument. I'm not, I'm not hearing the conversation of, well, we don't think they'd be one of the four best teams. I just am not interested in that. I don't think they are either, guys. I don't think they'd be one of the four best teams either. But that's why I wish that committee a long time ago would have changed the wording because we're not looking simply for the four best teams. That's not what that tournament's about. It's blending best and most deserving. And Florida State would be a point spread underdog to about 10 other teams, even if they win Saturday. But they belong in that playoff because if you're trying to look for best, you might as well let Las Vegas seed the tournament. And honestly, you don't need to play a lot of these games because the outcomes on the field aren't going to matter because that's how you get best. Like Georgia could lose two games. They could play twice Saturday and lose both games. They would never fall out of Las Vegas' top four. So, like, what, what are we talking about? Uh, and I've had that debate a lot, and I'm not going to have it again tonight. Uh, Florida State's in. I don't really, I don't really find much uh, value in debating that. But the resume reset, that's really what I'm interested in. You know, because I was just doing an HQ hit earlier before I came on air to do our show. And I was, I was listening to, you know, some of the voiceovers being done in break. And I was listening to um, them talk about the Pac-12. And, you know, one of the voiceovers was indicating that, hey, the Pac-12 looks like they're going to have a representative one way or the other. And I get that. If Washington wins, they're in. If Oregon wins, are they guaranteed to be in? The logic tells you yes, because right now they're ranked ahead of Texas and Alabama. And so you figure, hey, man, even if Bama and Texas and Oregon all win, they're certainly not going to jump Oregon, are they? Well, that's where I wonder about the resume reset thing. You know, first off, I wonder what is the value of having a win against number one? You know, Alabama's the only one who has a shot to say that. Number two, I wonder how wide the gap is. You know, I was a fan of the idea that that committee should have just put Oregon, Texas, and Bama in a three-way tie at fifth. And you say, Josh, they can't do that. Who says? They make up the rules as they go anyway. I would have put Ohio State right where they are, and I would have put Texas, Bama, and Oregon in no order behind them, because that would indicate, hey, they're dead even. No, one, no one's jumping anyone. They're starting from the same point. And you know what? If, if Bama loses, it's a moot point. If, if Texas and Oregon have to have this head-to-head, then you know what? It's probably going to come down to how they looked last Saturday, and then we put resumes next to each other. I, I don't get the resume thing because I'm looking at them right now. And you guys are more schooled on this than I am because I really do not immerse myself in this until the last week. I swear to you, I dove into the resumes for the first time seriously last night, and I got what a lot of you have been arguing about. I haven't bothered with it until now because I thought upsets would happen and it would clear it up, but it hasn't. They haven't. So I dove into the resumes and I looked and I wondered, as much respect as I got for Oregon, I got a, I got, I got a number two in the JP poll I'm going to show you later tonight. So I got immense amounts of respect for Oregon, but independent of how good the team is, I was looking at the resumes. Oregon should be behind uh, Texas and Alabama right now. At least that's what it looked like to me based on resumes, based on, you know, the, um, the criteria that they claim to value. So I have no clue how to make sense of that. I get it, though. I'd, I'd heard you guys arguing about that, and I did not get it. And then I took a look for myself, and I get it. So anyway, will that hold firm? Or... You know, what if Oregon wins Friday night and we'll be there, we'll be on the sideline for that game, but then we'll also be on the sideline Saturday for Alabama, Georgia. And what if an outcome happens that you don't think is possible? What if Bama just wins by 20 or something like that? It's, it's crazy, but it's not impossible. Then all of a sudden you'd rethink everything you thought you knew about how that head to head would be handled. I don't know. Even though we have what one weekend left, we got a lot that's still to be determined. I'm happy to have you guys tuned in live if you are. 
Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel or the podcast as you're listening or watching. Now, it's Tuesday night, so we predict games here on Tuesday nights. If you're not familiar with the format here, you picked a great time to join. It's the, the last week of the college football season until we get to bowl season. But you know what? It doesn't matter because we're not seasonal. We don't even say the word off-season. We don't even say it out loud. That's how little we believe in that as a concept. And so we're here year-round. You might as well subscribe and get comfortable and, and keep showing up every week. SEC Championship, Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta, Georgia. We will be there. The Once Upon a Saturday Tour is headed down to Atlanta, and it is the premier matchup in the Southeastern Conference right now. I think it's the premier matchup in college football right now. I'm going to say something to you, and it's going to be debatable, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have seen every one of these teams in person this year. I've seen many of them two times. I've seen Ohio State three times. If you give them a chance to get healthy, in other words, if they got into the playoff, any of these teams get in the playoff, and you give them a chance to get healthy, you're looking at the two most dangerous teams in the country right here. You may very well be looking at a national championship game. It just so happens it has an SEC championship sticker on it. So let's break it down. The odds presented by FanDuel on this game right now, Georgia minus six and a half. That number's moved a little bit from the other day. It is the 10th straight SEC championship game featuring at least one of these teams. Saban's 4-1 against Kirby. Uh, Bama against Georgia, 3-0 in the SEC championship game. A couple of years ago, Georgia gets another shot at him in Indianapolis. Different result. Georgia wins one of two back-to-back -back national championships that go on to win. These are big game programs. I know the margin of victory for Georgia wasn't exactly huge over Georgia Tech last week. I think if you understood what was going on, the outcome makes perfect sense. Bama probably should have lost against Auburn last week, but they didn't. They won. My point in going back to those games is nothing that happened last week will have any bearing on this Saturday. Could not care less. I am tearing the rearview mirror off of this car. These are big game programs. Georgia is built to face Alabama. Bama is built to face Georgia. The staffs are intimately familiar with each other. They recruit against each other all year long. In Athens, they think there is one main challenger to themselves every year. And in Tuscaloosa, whether they'll admit it or not, they think there is one challenger to themselves every year. And they reside right across the river from each other. I think my biggest concern for Georgia in this game is Carson Beck, as good as he's been, will face the front that stands the best shot of putting pressure on him. It's the best group of pass rushers and probably the most talent in the secondary of any team they face this year. Now, I'm looking at him make some throws that are going to be caught no matter who he's throwing them against. And so if Carson Beck's on, we've seen in the past against both a Kirby defense and a Saban defense, if you got a hot quarterback and you got receivers running precision routes and you got guys making 50-50 balls turn into 70-30 balls, there's no defense for that. So if you promise me Carson Beck's having the game of his life Saturday, you forget what I just said. Uh, George is going to win the game. And that's a really short preview. But if he plays like a human being, then Alabama can put some heat on you. And Alabama can contest the ball in the air, specifically one and three on the outside. Uh, Caleb Downs was a guy that Alabama got from the state of Georgia that plays safety for Bama that could very well be an impact player in this game. And the other part of that, as, as much as I'm talking about maybe Carson Beck having to work under a little more duress than he normally does is... I think Alabama still got vulnerability on their offensive line when it comes to being exposed by high-end edge pressure and edge rush types, but Georgia doesn't have them. And so one of the glaring vulnerabilities you could expose with Alabama, I'm not sure Georgia possesses the ability to do, and I'm talking about Proctor over on the left side. You know, if Georgia had Dallas Turner, in, in other words, and I had to watch 15 versus 74, I believe is his number all day, uh, that is a bad proposition for Alabama. As it turns out, Proctor only has to face that in practice in Tuscaloosa. And so absent the ability to harass Jalen Milrow, you give him a little more time to throw and he can escape the pocket and, and reestablish the pocket. You do two things. You open yourself up potentially for those explosive down the field plays. And I, I almost think if I'm a Georgia fan, I concede they're going to hit a couple of those. And I concede Milrow's going to run I hope he runs underneath. You know, I, ho I hope we keep that stuff between the 20s and we lock down in the red zone. I'll talk about that in a second. 
but it opens you up more to that. Okay, so if I'm looking from the Georgia perspective, those two things concern me the most. But I got concerns for Alabama here too. If I'm Alabama, my biggest concern is I'm not healthy on my defensive front. And this is about the last team I want to face in the country if I don't have my big bodies anywhere close to 100% right now. Uh, Georgia is 13th in the country in rush yards per play this year. And my biggest nightmare for Alabama is watching a bunch of these drives start off and it's, it's methodical and maybe there aren't explosive plays, but they just keep moving the chains and they keep leaning and they use that veteran, huge offensive line they got at Georgia to just keep leaning on me. You know the feeling. You know the feeling when you sit there and you, you tense up on a bunch of third and twos or fourth and ones and the other team just, just keeps leaning. They fall forward. They get a first down. Chains move. Another two minutes, 45 seconds comes off the clock. Georgia's got the ability to do that against a healthy Alabama. They especially have the ability to do that against an Alabama that may be a little bit less than full strength. And they got balance offensively, too. So as much as you sit there and think to yourself, we just got to sell out here, man. We got to sell out against the run. We can't let them continue to do this. Well, they got a, an assassin at quarterback right now that can make you pay for it. And if McConkie and Bowers are healthy, and I assume they've been building towards being healthy for this game. Hey, I heard Chase Goodbread in Saban's press conference the other day made a good point in his question. Those two haven't been on the field at the same time a whole heck of a lot this year. So if Georgia gets back and McConkie on the field at the same time, that's a unique challenge. And my point there is they're balanced enough on offense and they are veteran and they, they, don't, they don't beat themselves to the point where if they find out, hey, we can, just, we can just methodically move down the field on them. We don't need to do anything overly special. They will. They will. That's a big play. Absence of big plays, if not needed, is in and of itself a big play. There's a third down edge here for Georgia. Offensively, they're second in the country. Bama's defense is 26. Not a glaring edge, but it's an edge. Georgia's defense, second in the country. On third down, Bama's offense is 12. So, you know, th those are strength-on-strength strength propositions. It's just that statistically, it would look like Georgia has an edge there. Milrow is an X factor in that. Okay, Kirby talked the other day about how they haven't faced a guy like him all year. And honestly, no team has, because I don't really think that on most schedules out there, I've seen many teams that face another quarterback of Jalen Milrose ilk. That's one advantage you have when you're Alabama, when you go into these kinds of games, is there's not another one of him out there. That doesn't mean you can't defend him. I mean, Texas beat him early in the year. Now, I would argue he's playing much different caliber ball now. Uh, but it just it's, it's kind of an adjustment for a lot of guys who haven't dealt with that speed, dealt with that physicality, and dealt with that athleticism once he leaves the pocket. As much as I looked at third down, I then looked at touchdown percentage in the red zone. I'm, I'm never as interested in overall scoring percentage in the red zone as I am touchdown percentage. And that's where Bama's got an edge down there. Offensively, they're 19th in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Georgia's defense, 67th, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, Bama's defense, 26th. Georgia's offense, 33. So third down edge one way, red zone touchdown percentage the other way. I uh, tweeted out earlier today, I went back and forth four times in the office on who I was going to pick here. I will show you what the model thinks. The Vegas number at FanDuel is up to Georgia minus six and a half. Uh, the model's not nearly that big. So either way I go here, we think there's value spread-wise on Alabama. Uh, Colin, would you do me a favor? We've never done this before. Would you do me a favor? And for those who are watching on YouTube, could you just put up the lower third that shows my pick for a second? Jesse got a little nosy today. Okay, producer Jesse, probably with a pen in one hand and like his phone logged into FanDuel in another hand, um, waiting to place a bet at, at, my, at my ready, at my call. Jesse logged in. I told him, I'm not ready to tell you who I'm picking in this game yet. It was really just because I didn't know. So here's what I'm wrestling with. Uh, models got Georgia winning the game. I'm sitting there about 5.15 today thinking to myself, I very slightly lean Georgia to win this game. Probably like a 52-48 percentage kind of deal, so not overwhelming. But then I thought to myself, you picked Alabama in August to win the SEC championship. They're this close, and you bailed on them once before in 2021 in this game against this opponent, and they made you look like a fool, and you had to come on your own show and hold up a piece of paper that said, I'm sorry, Nick Saban. And 
you said you'd never do it again. Well, here you are about to do it again. So I'm just going to be real with you. I'm taking a little bit of a risk here. Based on my own model and based on my own judgment, I slightly lean Georgia to win the game, but I am not abandoning my preseason pick. And so I am taking Alabama to cover, but I'm going to take Alabama to win the SEC championship game. And obviously, that means I think it's a very, very competitive close game either way. But if Bama comes out on top of this, then we get this whole other debate thrown into the mix. And that is, how far does Georgia fall? And I have no idea what the answer is. You know, I told you, I don't really get involved so much in the the hypothetical arguments because they just always work themselves out. So I was assuming that it was a widely held consensus that the loser of this game does not go to the playoff. That's what I thought. But then I said that kind of flippantly last night, and a bunch of you came at me and you said, no, now if Bama loses, they're out, duh. But if Georgia loses a close game, you're not going to keep them out. And I thought to myself, well, who are they going to be in over? I'm still asking that. Like, it's my opinion. If Georgia does lose the game, I think the committee will leave them out unless there's a lot of chaos elsewhere. But maybe I'm wrong there. I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really become all that convicted on that opinion. But I will tell you this. I'm very conflicted in the pick. You can see it all over my face. I'm very conflicted in the pick. Uh, But I'm going to roll with Alabama to win the game. And I am going to listen to the August version of myself, which was on this shoulder, yelling, do not abandon me and yourself at the 11th hour. However you feel this game's going to go. There is one place for you. Because uh, the Once Upon a Saturday tour shirt, not sold at Academy, everything else is. Colin, keep this thing up for a second. Immunity. The Once Upon a Saturday shirt, this is the last individual shirt that we're putting out this year. So we're making a stop in Atlanta, SEC Championship, obviously. PateStateMaterial.com is where you can get our shirt, and that will be gone after Saturday night, and you'll never be able to get this one again. But after that, and some say even before that, some are saying as early as Thursday night, another shirt is popping up in the Pate State store. And that's the shirt with every single tour date on it that commemorates the entire 2023 season. Now, look, I'm just telling you what I've heard. I happen to know the guy who runs the store, so I I get some intel every now and then. I hear, I have it on good authority, that that shirt's dropping Thursday night. So this one's available until Saturday night. May have another fresh little piece of merch in there on Thursday. All right, there you go. Academy Sports and Outdoors, they don't ever tell you, hey, wait for Thursday. You could go in there right now. I don't encourage it because we're on the air, but you could go in there right now. And you know what? If you say, no, I don't feel like going out of the house this late, academy.com is there for you. I mean, I'm going to see those guys in Atlanta Saturday. I look forward to that. Uh, They make this show free of charge to you. But like I often say, it's it's not some chemical company or pipeline company that otherwise has very little bearing on your life. These people sell a lot of stuff you buy every day anyway. So I encourage you, go to Academy to purchase your grills or your canopies and tents or those folding chairs you all sit in on the deck or at a tailgate. Uh, You need a new baseball glove. Just go to Academy or Academy.com. They make the show free and they are our partner and we really appreciate them for all they do. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Here we go. A conference championship picks roll on here. You thought that we were only going to be at one game, but no. We will be in Las Vegas Friday night for the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon against Washington, 8 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock local kick, which is very important if you're catching a flight out of there. It's an ABC game. This is the only regular season rematch in all the Power 5 championship games. Did you know that? I didn't even know that. Producer Jesse Special there. This was a classic. We were at the game in Seattle. And we, the one you're looking at here, if you're watching on YouTube, we were at this game. Washington folks think I hate him, which is absurd. Uh, let me give you guys some flowers. This was the loudest game we went to this year. How about that? 70,000 seats up there, Husky Stadium. We were at Ohio State, Michigan. We were at Bama LSU. Bama LSU was the other loudest game we went to this year. There was not, when a stadium was at full throat, a louder environment that I experienced this year than Oregon at Washington Husky Stadium. Unbelievable. We were there. It was awesome. And so 36 to 33 was the final. And Oregon, you know, famously, they had two turnovers on downs inside the Washington 10. They turned it over again near midfield late in the fourth quarter. And that was the difference in the game. But I thought that people did a little disservice to Washington after the game in the way they talked about that. You know, they talked about that, in other words, like, well, Dan Lanning screwed this up. And, you know, it was almost like it was independent of Washington. I don't think it was necessarily just flukish that Oregon did not convert. Teams are 13 of 33 on fourth down against Washington this year. It's not just Oregon they've had success against, guys. And so it's very easy. It's very easy to find out how you avoid this. Meemaw used to always tell me, she said, kiddo, if you convert on third down, you never have to worry about fourth downs. Sage advice. Meemaw never missed. Oregon offensively is third in FBS in third down conversion percentage. Washington's defense is 89th in third down conversions allowed. That should be your ball game. If those stats hold up or anywhere roughly to come close to holding up, that's your ball game. But sometimes that's not how college football games work. I mean, you could look at the matchups. I've got a piece of paper here. Oregon, better pass rush. The defense is better overall. They got a better run game. They're better at ball security. Oregon's got edges here. That's why they're a nine and a half point favorite, by the way. But you know what I've seen time and time again in college football? I've seen a team have some edges, and then I've seen elite skill play just erase all of it. And Adunze and Polk and McMillan and Bernard, those wide receivers for Washington, if they go off, a lot of that stuff doesn't matter because the value, the point value that those guys having big games can bring you in a four-quarter scenario can negate a lot of other edges that the opponent may have. And so that's the great unknown for me in this game. Adunze went off in this last game. So did Troy Franklin. Like both guys, both number one receivers had big days when they played the first time. What, what will Washington's pass catchers deliver for them Saturday? What will Michael Penix do? Those are great unknowns. November theory is in play here, though. You know, as much as I'm talking about Washington right now and talking them up, they've played very close football games. Oregon has not. Oregon has won six straight. They've averaged winning by 26 points per game. Washington's got eight wins in a row. Well, really, they've, they've won all their games, but their last eight wins have been by 10 points or fewer. So they've been doing what it takes to get wins, not getting margin on people. And I really think by November, you should believe in trajectories of teams. So let's take a look at what the model thinks. The Vegas number right now, powered by FanDuel, is Oregon minus nine and a half. We still don't think that number's big enough. We got, we got Oregon minus 10. Now, you guys know, if you look at the JP poll, you know what? If you look at the JP poll, we're completely validated because this is a neutral site, and that's exactly what that poll's built to do. It's built to tell you what the gap would be, point spread-wise, between one team and another team. Here's what I want to remind you of. 
it doesn't matter if Washington pulls the upset here. If you guys pull the upset, I'll say congrats. You're headed to the playoff. The JP poll's work is done already. It's already been proven right because it doesn't care what happens in the game. This number right here, right there, that's, that's, that's what we're looking at. Or I guess that number down there. We're looking at a point spread. Um, that's why we've had as big a gap as we have between Oregon and Washington. Because in the eyes of odds makers, that's how big the gap is. That's it, and that's all. I'll be the first person to tell you, if Washington wins, they're in the playoff. Even though we probably would still not have them, we still wouldn't have them power rated top four, I don't think. But at that point, it's irrelevant. So anyway, I think Oregon's going to win, and I think Oregon's going to cover. That is my pick for the game. But I do want to go back about two minutes to you know my biggest fear if I'm Oregon, and that is... I figure out early on those wide receivers are dialed in. And I figure out early on Michael Penix is dialed in. Because if he is, Oregon's not running it up. Oregon could get beat outright. Uh, they're certainly not going to run away from Washington. I just believe in totality, like the incremental margins of superiority that Oregon has in different places across the board will play out over the span of four quarters. I'll put it to you like this because I told someone this last night. Oregon does not have to do a thing different than what they've been doing recently to win this game. I do believe Washington has to go above and beyond what they've been doing lately. If they do it, more power to them. I don't think they will. Let's move on. Take a quick sip from the chalice, which is better than a commercial break, I think. This one will be very interesting. I'm glad you guys are tuned in live. Make sure you like the video. This one will be interesting. ACC championship game, Saturday night, 8 o'clock Eastern in Charlotte. It's FSU versus Louisville. If you haven't looked at point spreads this week, it might surprise you to know that Florida State is merely a two-and-a-half point favorite at FanDuel over Louisville. It's a weird spot. It's a weird spot because most of the time when you get in conference championship type situations, you know everything there is to know about teams. And at that point, it's do they play up to what we know their potential is? Well, we don't know what Florida State's potential is. You lose your quarterback, everything gets the reset button hit on it. And so I, we have to throw out their stat profile. Florida State becomes a different team now. Doesn't mean they can't win. It's just we kind of got to figure out how this team will beat Louisville. It's the, you know, this is the best statistical offense that Florida State has seen since the LSU game. That sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Statistically now. Man for man, I'm not making comment on that. I'm saying statistically, they faced LSU in week one. This is the next best team they will have faced. Maybe they fare against Louisville like they did against LSU. That's the best I saw Florida State look all year, so that'd be tough. But let's see. Florida State's strength today, without Jordan Travis, is their ground game. Uh, Trey Benson, we talked about him Sunday night. Huge performance. Three touchdowns on the ground against Florida. The problem is... You're facing a top 15 run defense in Louisville. I, I would be very surprised if Florida State just ran the ball to a victory Saturday. They're going to have to do something through the air. Uh, Tate Rotomaker is going to have to be a significant enough performer and a mistake-free enough performer through the air to get the job done. Louisville's number three in red zone defense, too. So they make it tough. Like, this is not an easy defense to move the ball on, and especially if they get the sense that you're becoming one-dimensional, then you're really in for a long night. I'm, I wonder, because of that, how much Florida State has to do through the air. How much do they have to ask uh, that young quarterback or that green quarterback to do through the air? Because the weapons are there, like Coleman and Wilson. Like those guys are there. It's just how comfortable are you, or if it's necessary, how confident are you in leaning on him? Because the other side, I'm looking at Jack Plummer who sort of quietly has been one of the best transfer portal additions at quarterback for any team in the country this year. 21 touchdowns, 11 picks. FSU can put pressure on him. They're going to have to. You know, I think about that Clemson game where FSU went up there and defense kind of stole the show. Defense needs to do that again here. Louisville will turn the ball over. They turned it over three times last week against Kentucky. They had another turnover on downs. You got to get after Plummer. And from a galvanization standpoint, that entire team has to know from the running back room to the outside linebackers everywhere in between. They got to know it is not Jordan Travis that's about to win us a conference championship. It's the team that's got to win it. And so if defense has to score, then that's what it's going to take, or at least 
If defense has got to set you up with short fields three times, that's what it's going to have to take. They need that Clemson formula. They're number eight defensively in sacks in the country. They got to hit the quarterback. They got to knock balls loose. They got to pick balls off. They got to force fumbles. They got to, they got to go above and beyond uh, to give themselves the best shot of winning this Saturday. A key player to watch also on the other side is Jordan. The running back for Louisville is a 1,000-yard rusher, 6.4 yards per carry. And while Florida State's pretty good against the pass, they're, they're just above average against the run, 47th in the country against the rush. Just keep an eye on that. We're talking a lot about Trey Benson. It may be the other guy that you talk about in the fourth quarter. Okay, the fan duel number right now is Florida State minus two and a half. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. The model is even shorter on Florida State than that. Our number, according to the model, is Florida State minus one and a half. I went back and took a long look at Louisville, Kentucky last week. we've We've nailed Louisville games this year. We picked them to beat Notre Dame. They did. And then we picked them to lose to Pitt the next week. And they did. So model's been pretty dialed in on Louisville. They turned the ball over three times against Kentucky and had another turnover on downs. And that led to a loss. And I think it is the worst time to face Louisville. I think Louisville's going to pull the upset. I think they're going to win and obviously cover. I don't think this is a really good matchup. I don't think it's a favorable matchup at all for Florida State. Had Travis, it's a different story. Uh, but at the same time, man, I thought they were going to lose to Florida last week. And you could argue they should have, but I don't really ever say that because if you should have, you would have. Uh, they found a way to win. It could very well be that this Saturday night, you watch Louisville outgain them and you, you think they outplayed them and there's Florida State. Somehow, they, they've, they've used 10 fingers to plug 13 holes in the dam and they win. And you're like, how did they do that? It's Mike Norvell's team, man. They've, they found a way to do it all year. I think Louisville's going to win. Uh, it's, a, it's a small confidence wager there, but I think they're going to win. Uh, you know what? Let's do JP poll right quick. I got, I got some movement in the, mm, I don't want to say it. I don't want to use that combination. of. You know what? I'll say it. There is some movement in the JP poll this week, and you can choose to use immunity or not. JP poll, finally, we're here at the finish line. And we've still got people having no clue how this works, uh, but it's been validated time and time again. So I'm not going to waste time defending it. A lot of you have grown tired of that. I'm just telling you, these have nothing to do with rankings. This is just neutral field favorability. For example, Washington is undefeated and is a nine and a half point underdog Friday night against a team they already beat. What does that show you, children? It shows you that one game outcomes are not the end-all be-all when it comes to future-facing neutral field favorability. That's all. That's all we try to do with the JP poll. So let's take a look, Colin. At number 25 through 21, the SMU haters are out and about again because the old ponies have re-emerged suspiciously in the JP poll. It goes Kansas, Oregon State, SMU, NC State, and Iowa State, 25 to 21. And did you know Courtesy of Stats and Info, did you know that SMU is the only G5 to have a top 25 defense in points per game allowed and offense in points per game scored? And they just re-upped Rhett Lashley. So good things happening in Dallas there. NC State, they've won five in a row. They had Clemson and Miami and North Carolina mixed in there. Great job by Dave Doran. Maybe we were a week or two behind on them. Great job in Iowa State. I didn't even have to manually override this time. They just jumped up there all by themselves. They went to Manhattan, Kansas, and got a win in the snow. Seven wins. Not bad. It's something we can build on. Top 20. Very interesting because we have Louisville at number 20. They're playing in a conference title game. I just showed you. Like, we don't have to guess. I showed you what the model thinks. I'm going to do a little spoiler here. We've got FSU at 13 right now. There is a one and a half point gap between Florida State and Louisville, and that's exactly why the model, because these teams are playing on a neutral field Saturday, showed you FSU minus one and a half against Louisville. That's literally how this thing works. A&M's very steady. A&M's at 17, so I should read it for those of you on podcast. 20 to 16 is Louisville, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Kansas State. Uh, A&M's just been there all year. They are the easiest team to slot here, and you may not think that because they got a ton of losses, 
they are right where they should be. That is not even a tough team to figure out from an odds-making standpoint. They are right where they should be. Uh, let's go top 15. Not a ton of separation that may surprise you here between Washington and Arizona. I cannot believe that's the case. So it goes Clemson at 15, Arizona 14, Florida State 13, Washington 12, Missouri 11. That's the highest Missouri's been all year. Washington is at 12. And um, the, the evidence is kind of there. That's, the, the fortunate thing for me is it's not that arguable this time of year. You're a nine and a half point dog against Oregon, a team you've beaten already. It's just Vegas is kind of validating what we've been saying on this thing for a while. And we're still called idiots. Florida State at 13. That's without Jordan Travis. We had to shave six and three quarter points off of Florida State's power rating. If you lose six and three quarter points, you're falling. And so that's where they are. That right there means that we would favor Missouri if they played Florida State tomorrow, which isn't crazy at all because Louisville's almost favored against you. And Louisville's not the team Missouri is even. So uh, congrats to Missouri. I don't want to just gloss over the fact that they're bordering on top 10 status. Even as a power rating, they're bordering on top 10. We continue. Let's go into the top 10. Uh, Penn State is number 10. Oh, how, how do you do that, Josh? Well, it's very simple. They've lost to two top five teams and beaten everyone else. That's, that's pretty much right where they should be. OU is nine. Notre Dame, one of the sneakiest good teams in the country this year. They're at eight. LSU sits at seven still. Texas at six. I know if you're unfamiliar with how this works. LSU looks weird there at seven. You, you head out to Vegas. We'll be there Friday. Head out there. Or, you know, we call our partners up at FanDuel. Ask them, hey, hypothetically, hypothetically, LSU versus Washington. Hey, here's one that would really hurt your feelings. LSU versus Florida State again. Who would be favored? I don't think you guys are ready for that answer. It wouldn't go the way you... You may think it goes if you believe you are what your record says you are. Uh, I said Texas at six. Here we go. Top five. Ohio State uh, is exactly where they were last week. Michigan is exactly where they were last week. We, when calibrating for turnover margin, which isn't an excuse for how the game played out, but from a future-looking standpoint, you know we always ignore turnover margin and we look at how otherwise the game was played out. Game was played out exactly how we thought it should have played out. So Ohio State-Michigan, gap remains exactly the same. Minuscule between those two teams. Bama fell one spot to three. Oregon's back up to two. And Georgia's still the number one team in the country. We, unlike Vegas, unlike FanDuel, we've only got a three and a half point gap between Georgia and Alabama on a neutral field. So, hey, good news is we just saw one of those games already happen. We're going to get Georgia-Bama this Saturday. And uh, eventually, the JP poll will be a moot point because it will have happened on the field. And at that point, you know what's really going to be fun? What's going to be fun is if some of these games don't play out the way I just picked them. Like, I think Florida State could lose to Louisville. But if they don't, they're in the playoff, and they should be. If Washington does not lose to Oregon, they're in the playoff, as they should be. What you will see then is very big double-digit point spreads on playoff games which doesn't mean anything other than it will go on to illustrate further how this works is how those point spreads are generated. There, there is big, big gap right now between Georgia and a Washington. There's a gap between an Alabama and an FSU. Like, I'm just telling you, it's going to be there. So if, if, if those are the matchups, like if you get Oregon versus Florida State in a semifinal game, Oregon's going to be a double-digit favorite. I firmly believe that. And then they'll play the actual game and the point spread doesn't matter. Uh, but we have a lot of fun trying to figure this out ahead of time. All right, let's continue moving on. We have more games. Uh, someone just said in the chat, James said Texas should be ranked above Ohio State. Those aren't rankings. So it has nothing to do with what I just said. If, if James, if you want to talk to the playoff committee, you could do that. But I've never ranked teams. And unless they let me on the playoff committee, I'm probably not going to start ranking teams. All right, let's continue. What you doing Saturday? First thing, high noon on the East Coast. What you doing here? Because um, the Big 12 championship game is Saturday at high noon. It is Texas. It is Oklahoma State, which if it's in Dallas means it's an 11 a.m. local kick. Well, well, well. 
There was, there was one person on that island that I was on in August. I could yell as loud as I wanted to, and all I got was hatred from offshore. And I was yelling out there, Texas and Oklahoma State, Big 12 championship game. And they just torched and pitchforked me. Well, who's yelling on the island now? I'm still all alone, but who's yelling over here? It's me. It's me. This does not bode well for Oklahoma State. So I want to get as much celebration as I can out of the way. Uh, Alan Bowman at quarterback, going to need the game of his life. He has to shine. He, the good news, the good news, I guess, to start this off is he does have 300 plus yards passing in three of his last four games. I would love to stop the preview there, but I am dutifully informed that he has six interceptions in his last three games as well. Now, there are a few truths in an uncertain world, but one of them is Oklahoma State cannot be losing the turnover battle in a game where they are over a two-touchdown underdog and stand any chance to win. I'd be very surprised if Texas offensively didn't just go off in this game. It's the, they just came off their best offensive game of the year against Texas Tech. Uh, here are some disconcerting numbers that Stats and Info have provided me. Oklahoma State, 105th in rush yards per game allowed. Oklahoma State, 113th in pass yards per game allowed. Oklahoma State, 126th in explosive plays allowed. Texas is the best wide receiver tight end combo they will have faced all year. I am very concerned, greatly concerned. Unless Texas shoots both feet, they can't just shoot themselves in one foot, both feet. Unless they do that, they're going to have a lot of success, which means Oklahoma State's either going to have to force a bunch of red zone stops, force turnovers, or they're going to have to score 40 themselves. Let's go back to the red zone. Texas fans know all too well that the way Texas shoots itself in the foot, the way Texas pulls its own emergency break is they stall in the red zone. Texas offensively is 107th when they get down there, but Oklahoma State's defense is in the 60s. So there, there's really no strength on weakness matchup there either. Oklahoma State's offense is 46th in the red zone. Texas has got the best red zone D in the country. So I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to find the mismatch. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the ray of sunshine here, and it's Ollie Gordon. It's that running back for Oklahoma State. He leads FBS in rushing yards. <sighs> And every time I think I see something, there's this follow-up. And the follow-up in this case is Oklahoma State's got the best running back, at least statistically, in college football. Texas is top five against the run. So have I, have I, um, have I intrigued you enough to at least look at what the model thinks? Texas is favored by 14 and a half at FanDuel. I would think that number is going to keep going up. The model has Texas minus 16. I felt strongly that Texas was about to blow out Texas Tech last week. I feel fairly good that Texas is going to win and get some margin here. So I am going to go with the model. I'm going to take Texas to win. I think they're going to cover very good story for Oklahoma State. But I think a lot of folks from like um, Eugene or Seattle or Tuscaloosa or elsewhere, I think a lot of folks were pulling for Brigham Young last week. Because I think you wanted Oklahoma in this game. Not because it guaranteed anything. Not because you're a Sooner fan, but you know good and well. The only team that's got as good a chance as any of beating Texas out there is Oklahoma. And once Oklahoma State came back and beat Brigham Young, Texas, they made sure they got to somewhere where no one could hear them. And they said, yes! And then they got back out in front of the camera and microphone and said, nameless, faceless opponent, doesn't matter. We treat every game the same. Uh, that's a lie. You guys know you got a favorable draw here. Not your fault. Uh, you did exactly what you're supposed to do. And I think they will continue at Texas to do what they're supposed to do. I think they will win and cover Saturday. Transfer portal is on fire. The transfer portal is ablaze. And it's only going to grow because December 4th is rapidly approaching. We've got a... We got a predicted flood of quarterbacks that are going to enter the transfer portal, and some of them already have. Will Rogers at Mississippi State in the portal. And even with Jeff Lebby's hire, it looks like he's going to stay in the portal at huge numbers pre-2023. I mean, they screwed that kid in the ground this year. And so he's shown you what he can do. Tyler Van Dyke at Miami has entered the transfer portal. Will Howard 
out there at Kansas State, as it looks like it's Avery Johnson's team moving forward. He's entered the transfer portal, and we think a ton of quarterback names are still to come entering the transfer portal. I mean, there are several names to watch here. Now, here's what I don't do. You guys know, I don't sit here and predict kids to go into the portal. I don't, I don't tell them where they should go once they get in the portal. I don't do any of that. But uh, what I will do is I will say, given that Jonathan Smith just left Oregon State, everybody's watching DJ, you, and everyone's watching Aiden Childs. That's a former four-star kid out there. It's only natural when you have coaching turnover to wonder, are they going to stay? Are they going to explore other options? Cam Ward saw a story today about how many, how many different million-plus-dollar offers he's had to leave Washington State which is illegal, by the way, but still happening. Let's see what happens there. I know some Oklahoma buddies I have have heard rumblings about Dylan Gabriel. You know, with Jackson Arnold sitting there, he didn't come to Oklahoma to sit the bench. He's really good. Will Dylan Gabriel still be here next year? The Bama guys with Jalen Milrow being back. Ty Simpson, where is he going to be? So there are a lot of names that, you know, we're just keeping an eye on. And then if they jump in the portal, obviously 24-7 sports will have it covered. You know when Jimbo Fisher got fired and a lot of people talked about these disaster scenarios for Texas A&M? I don't know that it's going to be a disaster. The disaster scenario was all the A&M players were going to enter the portal. Well, they hired Mike Elko, who most kids on that team know and like. They have got an NIL war chest out there to do what it really takes to keep players, and that is pay them. I don't necessarily know that a ton of kids from A&M are going to hit the portal. Now, there may be some that hit the portal that Mike Elko doesn't really fight to keep there. Now, I'm not mentioning any names because I don't know any names. I'm just saying, very generically, that could happen. But I don't know that they're going to have this like dozen to, to 18 kind of kids just walk out the door even though they're fighting to keep them. Now, Evan Stewart's one to look at, the wide receiver, uh, because there were tea leaves that were very easily read from space even before Elko got hired, that he was probably on his way out the door. So let's keep an eye on him because that would instantly be, that would be an impact number one type receiver. Um, we happen to like Evan Stewart a lot here. And in the right offense, that dude ends up being a top draft pick. So let's see. Uh, Matt Zenitz, our Matt Zenitz. Hey, hey, our Matt Zenitz here at 24-7 Sports earlier today, crystal balled Max Johnson, former quarterback for A&M. He crystal balled him to North Carolina. Hey, Drake May moving on. Maybe that's the replacement. Maybe that's the plug and play there. Let's keep an eye on that. This all is leading up to December 4th. So right now, the iJosh tells me it's Tuesday, November 28th, December 4th. It's just like the alarm will go off. And then two minutes later, the dam will open and whoosh, just have a rush of headlines. And there will be transfers galore. And... um. I think uh, the 24-7 Sports Transfer Portal show, Monday, December 4th, coverage begins at 10 a.m. It's so important that I have been told I am being pulled out of bed on what is usually an off day for me, and even I am coming in this studio to talk about all the kids entering the transfer portal, and some of the names floating around are very interesting, but it is not my job at this point to share those names with you. That will end very soon. Let's continue here. You know, I got a best bet, by the way, that I got to add tonight. So we got a lot still to get to. Um, we've got a policy on the show. This is before I start the preview for the Big Ten game. We have a policy on late kick when it comes to predicting games where there's a big point spread underdog. And the rule is simply this. We will only do a game breakdown if we think there is a realistic chance the underdog could win the game outright, and at that point, the game prediction consists of what would have to happen for the underdog to win. It's not a normal prediction, in other words. Having said that, Michigan plays in the Big Ten Championship game this Saturday night, 8 o'clock on Fox. They play against Iowa. Point spread is astronomical. Currently, at FanDuel, if you want to bet Michigan, you got to lay 23 and a half. Um, I, again, I can't believe these are real words that are, come out, are going to come out of my mouth. And I need to say them very slowly so that you can process this. There is a prop bet for first half and second half individual team scoring. Okay, so you're just betting how many points a team will score. 
And the over-under in the first half and second half, like each half you can bet, the over-under for Iowa's team scoring is 0.5 points. So you are literally betting on whether they'll be shut out or not. That's how bad they are offensively. So with that in mind, let's set the exciting scene for the Big Ten Championship game. I am not going to insult your intelligence. Michigan's going to win this thing. I think they'll win it handedly. But if the disaster scenario were to unfold, how would it happen? How would Iowa pull this off? Well, obviously, we're going to need multiple turnovers, but it's not even just that. They need multiple turnovers in which they score on the play. Um, They've got to get Michigan into enough third and longs to where Michigan is hopefully dumb enough to take some offensive risks that they don't really need to. Because once they score 14 or 17, it's a wrap. May not need that many. Uh, But if Michigan will put the ball in the air, like, again, I'm saying a lot of this stuff and I'm not joking. Iowa's best scoring opportunities are when Michigan has the ball. And that's just a fact that even Iowa fans know. So they got to have Michigan put the ball in the air. At that point, they got to be the ones to catch it and score. Because that brings me to point number two. Non-offensive points are the only way that Iowa wins this game. They've got to score defensively, point blank. Forget field position. They got to score defensively. They've got to score on special teams. And then they've got to melt the game and they got to empty the bag. There's no reason to be careful here. Okay, no one cares. If you get blown out by Michigan, you get blown out. Please go down swinging, whatever that means in Iowa offensive terms. Please go down swinging. Like, empty the bag. Maybe you got a little halfback reverse. You got a a fullback pass. Empty it. man. What's the worst that can happen? They beat you. They're going to anyway. You might as well try some things. And the other part, the melting the game part is they are good defensively. Iowa's very good defensively. And maybe instead of Michigan getting 11 drives, maybe they get eight drives. And, you know, the less opportunities that a superior team has to hold the ball, the greater the variance and potential outcome. I've tried. Colin, let's take a look at what the model thinks. FanDuel has Michigan minus 23 and a half. I do have a ray of good news here. The model only has Michigan winning by 22 and a half. I think Michigan can be very comfortable if they get 14 points on the board. And at that point, you just cruise. The over-under is 34 and a half in the game. Just ridiculous. When you have a top five team in a game and the total is 34 and a half. But Iowa has completely redefined what's possible in all the wrong ways in college football games this year. I'm taking Michigan to win. I am taking Iowa to cover. Iowa may not need to score a point to cover in the game. So there, there, there is a 20 to nothing win in the cards. There's a 23 to nothing win for Michigan in the cards. That's as good as I can do. I'm sorry. Rio de Janeiro, Brazil is tuned in. Concord, North Carolina, and Albany, New York. They're watching us up there. We appreciate that. If you do have interest in, in any of the wagers I just talked about, FanDuel is the place for you. Now, I told you about the deal that we have with them where if you bet $5 on any money line and you win, you get $150 in bonus cash. You know what I'd do if I were you? I, if they offered me a money line bet on Michigan, I don't care how astronomical it is. I'd go bet five bucks on it. I'd win, and I'd get 150 in bonus bets. Easy peasy. There's no rule. It's not, a, it's not a money line favorite of only a certain amount. Go bet the biggest favorite you can find on the money line and get those 150 coins back your way. If you are so interested, you can find the link right here in the show description. We've made it easy, so you don't have to type in you know, 14 little backslashes. Uh, FanDuel, look, they power the Ramen Noodle Express. Yet another winning season. We've won. This will be our seventh consecutive winning year on the Ramen Noodle Express. And um, still they hate. Not FanDuel, but the haters. Still they hate. Ramen Noodle Express brought to you by them. But also, every one of our odds on our show now are powered by FanDuel. And those are good folks, man. Like, they, they watch the show. They know the show. They are of us. So. That relationship formed because some of the high-ups at FanDuel watch the show. And um, that's usually how the relationships form. That's the way we got Academy. That's the way we got FanDuel. And frankly, that's why we don't do business with a lot of other companies, because there is no personal relationship there. So I appreciate that. 
must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Okay, speaking of which, I have to add one more best bet. I forgot to write it down here. Apologies. We already have SMU plus four and a half. We've locked that one in. That one was on Sunday. They play Tulane in the, uh, that's, when is that game, Jesse? It's the uh, American uh, championship game. I can't remember when it is though. Anyway, it's this weekend at some point. Let's take a look at the other added best bet. You know, if I'm sitting here looking at Alabama plus six and a half and I'm picking them to win the game outright, there's value. There's serious value on Alabama. So we're putting Bama plus six and a half on the board along with SMU. Now look, it's conference title week, so I'm not going to have 10 or 15 bets here. But that doesn't mean bet bigger on these games. It means bet the exact same amount across the board that we've been betting all year. Uh, SMU plus four and a half, Bama plus six and a half. Those are the numbers that we are on so far. We will be back here Thursday night, same time. Oh, the SMU game is four o'clock Saturday. The exact same time as the SEC title game. Thank you, Jesse. And the prompter was used after all tonight. All right, uh, I'm out of here. We'll be back here Thursday night, same time. Make sure you're following on Instagram, at Late Kick Josh, because if we're doing two cities in about the span of 12 hours, Friday and Saturday, there will be some very interesting content in the old IG story. Uh, until Thursday night, for producer Jesse, for director Colin, I'm Josh Bate. Take care, have a great rest of your evening, and God bless you. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.